You're listening to How It All Works, Convos and Collabs. Helping businesses, brands, and thought leaders understand the positive impact of live streaming. Live streaming. And now, here's your host, live video consultant and coach, Kirk Nugent. Man, Allison Davis is somebody that I'm excited to have on the show again. Um, her quote is on the screen. It says, success is your best revenge. I love that. I love that. I love that. Uh, no need to focus on trying to have revenge. Just focus on being successful. I love that. I love that. So many implications. Such a wise saying in just a few words. But we're going to be talking about tonight the historic role of video for civil rights. Oh, yes. We're in for a treat, y'all. But even as we get ready to dive into the content for tonight, let me just read this one thing. I, I want to listen. If you guys, I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you have not shared already, now is the time because we're going to getting ready to bring Allison on and you're going to want to be here for this, especially this piece of the show. But this is what I want to say, y'all. <clears throat> let me get my get my 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 announcer voice right. This is what I want to say, y'all. How It All Works is pleased to present its 2022 Trailblazer Award to Mrs. Allison J. Davis, Monday, February 7, 2022, for her legacy-building work in television, journalism, and broadcast. Let's go. Allison J. Davis is an American television and nonprofit executive, professor, producer, writer, director, and media trailblazer. A native of New York, Davis graduated from Boston University with a journalism degree and began working at WBZ-TV. She rose to the ranks in news, becoming an on-air reporter in Pittsburgh, a writer-producer at NBC, then helped launch MSNBC. From 1998 to 2004, Davis served as senior vice president slash creative of CBS and Dunbar Productions. She's a founding member and Hall of Fame inductee of the National Association of Black Journalists, and served as a vice president and chief operating officer for the Jackie Robinson Foundation from 2004 to 2009. Currently, she works for her own company, Kupti Productions, providing video and virtual productions for not-for-profits. How It All Works is pleased to present its 2022 Trailblazer Award to Mrs. Allison J. Davis for her legacy-building work in television, journalism, and broadcast. <laughs> Woohoo! Yes, yes, wow. yes. Wow. 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 No, me, seriously. Me... Wow. You know what? I got to have my kids watch this because they don't know what the heck I've been doing with my life all these years. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And this Look is just that. amazing. It's just so beautiful. Oh, you can't my see word. It. In fact, it's blue. Oh, yes, you, you can see it. You can. Oh, you can. Goodness. It's that just is amazing. I mean, unbelievable. Um, I will cherish this. I am humbled by it, and I thank you so much. Let me put that down. It's heavy too, by the it's way. It's heavy. 
<laughs> oh man, Allison, we listen. First, first of all, I you know the the circumstances that under which that we we kind of connected and came together, it's almost seemed providential. I'm so excited and glad that we were able to connect and and really learn from one another. And and I'm just ah just we just so glad that we're able to present this award to you. It is our second, right? But we we hope that is is going to be a long list of very worthy recipients of this award and you you literally elevate that level i will say to you you've elevated that level as well that viewers understand i mean that that folks out there understand that that when we met someone asked me you know had i heard of you and and i was a subscriber and i go are you kidding i felt like and I'm, this is going to date me, but I felt like I had um, uh, somebody was asking me if I wanted to meet Smokey Robinson. I was oh, like, man. oh, no, wow, this is great. This is great. So for me, it was a thrill. It was an absolute Absolutely. thrill. I, I remain a, a subscriber. Oh, wow. I, you know, it is, it is, I'm always humbled when I hear those kinds of things because it is, it is such a powerful thing to know that when I put a video out, there are people who are getting notified and they watch and they're like, all right, cool, cool. Kirk touched on this. So now we're good to go, man. I, I could, we could go into a number of things here, but I want to touch on one quick thing first, even as we kind of unpack the award just a little bit and want to just give people a little bit of perspective. One of the things that Allison shared with us in the pre-show was that, uh, she used to write the opener for the Today Show. Am I correct? Correct. <laughs> I, I, listen, I, family, I want y'all to get this thing. She used to write the opener, okay, every day for the Today Show, and she would and give just explain exact exactly what you shared with me a little bit earlier in the in the pre-show. Just explain about about that process of of what it was like writing that opener. Then the car would come and all those things, and then of course balancing that thing with you know being a young mother and all of that stuff and all the different pieces that went along with it. Well, let me correct you. I was an old mother, but that's okay. <laughs> um, is that, um, I had purchased a, an Apple IIe with a modem and, um, and, and in order to have both worlds. Mm. And so uh, I would wake up at uh, about four in the morning, and I still wake up at four in the morning. I'd wake up at four in the morning, and uh, I would email uh, the night side folks and say, okay, what's the lead? They'd tell me the lead. I would then write the story from home and then quickly go upstairs, throw on some clothes and wait for the car to pick me up at five. And mm. then I'd arrive in New at my office in, in New York at 530, but the opening had already been written, had already been passed off to Brian Gumble. Mm. He would add his little, little flourishes to it. And then, uh, and then I would also be well, I, I was supposed to also write segments as well for the Today Show. And uh, so I'd come home early. I'd pick up a child who my oldest child had been in babysitting, uh, had had, a, had been in, a, in a, a babysitting kind of environment. I'd pick him up after a couple hours. We'd go to the park. I had what's called a trash 80. I'm not oh, sure. Oh, my word. Remember it? it was Radio Shack. And then yes, it had cups about this big. And I would run up to the phone booth. I'd write my story as they were swinging or running around in the park. And I'd put those, um, uh, uh, I'd go up to the uh, phone booth. I'm sure a lot of people don't remember that there was a phone booth at some point. <laughs> some I would take people the, don't. And I would put that into the, into the acoustic cups. 
and it was 300 baud, so it would go letter by letter by letter. But I always wrote, wrote very short back then, too. I didn't write anything long because I'd mm. be up there all day. And then I'd come back, um, do a little swing with my kid, and then Amazing. we'd go home and have our little lunch. So that was my, that was my life. Wow. That, that is amazing. That is amazing to, to hear, you know, I mean, of course, several of us, I mean, the, the Today Show spans a length of time where TV was real TV. As when I, what I mean by that is you couldn't watch it on demand. You had to watch it live and, and people used to start their day with the Today Show. I mean, you mentioned Brian Gumbel and some of the others. I mean, these are fixtures in, in, in American households across the country. And, and to hear your piece and your portion of what you were doing there and, and also the leveraging of technology, just absolutely amazing. And, and this is one of the reasons why we are so honored to be able to give you this award because all a lot of us coming up through the ranks um and it, we're, we're not we're not missing the fact the fact that you are a sister as well but a lot of us coming through the ranks uh find opportunities and places and spaces within media and broadcast and journalism um and it is because of people like you who didn't lower the standard, who continue to put out quality product and continue to show the way. I mean, it, it, it's just amazing to me that you're, as you're even sharing these things, it's like, oh, wow, uh, absolutely amazing. And we find, uh, even in what I do currently, we find some of the, the practices, the base, right, the foundation of some of those things in broadcast and journalism and some of the things you guys were doing the, all those years ago. Man, that's a, that's, I'm, just, I'm just super excited. I, I'm looking at some of the comments. I can't even really even get to them right now because it's just amazing what we're hearing. Man, we're going to throw this first question up on the screen. Just going to read this for those who are, are watching uh, and those who are listening on the podcast as well. Talk to us about the power of video, news, live or rebroadcast, um, the deep impact that visual images have on society. And, and, and then, of course, share with us some examples that that was the that's the second piece of that is share some examples um, of your where you experience the power of video on display. Absolutely. And, and I think it's a very important question, particularly now when we have, you know, this wonderful object that uh, that takes the video that can be shared. I mean, where would we be today if I mean, if, if a young 13 year old girl in Minnesota hadn't shot the the, the murder of, of George Floyd. Right. Where would we be today? You know, you know, we, we have so many examples of this yeah. and it has changed our lives. Um, yeah. It has changed our lives, I think, for the better in some cases, because now we know that, you know, particularly white corporations, white nonprofits, white institutions mm -hmm. now recognize yes. where they have not necessarily um, embraced us and our talents. And mm. so, and that was all video. That was all video, the power of video. People saw what was happening, um, both white and black, and said, something has to change. Change, right. And something right. is changing. Now, the big question is, is that, is this, is this sustainable? You know, we can't forget. We can't forget what we saw. And we and, and and it's something that, you know, I am spending a fair amount of time 
on with the organizations that I'm involved in. And that is wow. making sure that they don't forget and that they yeah. build on the promises they made. Yes. The promises they made to us. And that is to give us, you know, I mean, I'm looking at what's happening with the NFL now. I'm looking yeah. at what's happening in so many areas and, and I'm, I'm delighted. But again, you know, I, I, I just want to make sure that this is sustainable. It's got to be sustainable and it's got to grow. Yeah. You know, we can't just continue to go back to the images and say, look what happened. Look what happened. Ago, five right. years ago, three right. years ago, right. decades ago, five decades ago. We have to we 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 have to force that sustainability. Wow. And that growth. Yeah. There's so, there's go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, so I mean, obviously it's built on other images that yes. seen before. Um and 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 so, you know, I wanted to sort of show some of the images that I've gathered up, you know, the first one being, you know, Alabama where you are and segregation. And and so what we what we know, um, what we know is that there were um, complete segregation. I mean, you know, you're looking at now white man's waiting room, colored man's waiting room. Right. You know, these were these were signs and sites that we saw and we knew that there was laws against uh, um, folks getting together. So, right. right. You know, I mean, think about the impact that that had these images. A lot of kids don't even know that this existed because they don't live in this world, but their grandparents can certainly talk about, you know, the segregated schools that they went to, particularly in the South and in the, in the North as well. Mm. Um, and so that they can share those stories. And I always tell young folks, um, you know, as I tell my children, you know, ask questions, ask yeah. me questions. You know, ask, you know, your, your great aunt questions and find out, you know, how life how? was um, and develop those images in your own head as well. You know, um, there's you know, there's and, so and, much there's a, if we could just pause right there for just a second. Yeah. There's so much uh, there's so much wisdom in uh, the, the practice of asking the questions. It, one of the things I love about, you know, your story and is because yes, you have the stories about the trash 80 and the 300 baud dial up and the, the cups, but you also have the stories of being, being a remote producer today. So you've seen this, this wide trajectory of, of things that have happened over the course of, of your career and, and even a lifetime. But also one of the things that's really good about that is that you have that perspective and you have that history. Um, um, one of the things, if, if we in the younger generations, and especially those coming up after me, would make those connections and ask those questions, we would be able to understand the origins of some of these things. And then or I, which, what I want to really say is learn from those things that were done and pitfalls, mistakes, some of the victories, some of the, the, the high points, some of the things that actually worked, refine it, and then put it back into practice. One of the things you kept on saying is that it has to be sustainable. In order for it to be sustainable, we do have to ensure that we're learning from the process, we're learning from the mistakes, we're learning from even the good things that happened and how do we you know, put it in context for a modern, 
adaptation of that same thing. So I love the concept of questions because it lends itself to the idea that these generations must be connected through the verbal tradition, must be connected as we pass this information along and set it up so that these other generations coming up behind us can actually have impact uh, building on what was done before them. So it's, it's, it's such a phenomenal piece. I just want to interject that there. I know we have more stuff to show. Well, but what I was also going to say is my sort of my new thing these days is um, genealogy um, because yes, it's good to ask questions. It's good to find those family members that can answer those questions. But unfortunately, sometimes oral histories aren't necessarily accurate. Mm. It's very true. And very true. Find that the truth is really quite exciting. You know, when you find yeah. out that, you know, um, things are not exactly as, you know, Auntie Mame has, has, has shared with you. Yeah. Um, and we have the ability right now through FamilySearch.org, Ancestry, 23andMe, all of these, uh, GEDmatch, all of these places to find connections, find information. Um, and I'll just give you one example. I mean, you know, I mean, my kids always learned um, in school that they were descendants of slaves, mm -hmm. you know, and that's what most black kids learn. It's just sort of a gross generalization. Okay, you know, you know, I'm so sorry about how slavery has affected your family. Well, I've been sort of digging on both sides of my kids' uh, family, my husband's family and my family and have discovered basically that so far I've not found a, a lot of slaves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I found people who were not enslaved, who had names prior to the emancipation wow. in North Carolina. I found a, a, a white fellow who, who was um, a, a farmer and living in the household was his daughter. Wow. who was a black woman, his daughter. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He named her. It was my husband's three times great-grandmother. My family's from the West Indies. Thankfully, Jamaica has done a very good job in, in, in digitizing. Digitizing. Found, found, you know, again, that, you know, my four times great-grandmother you know, and, and, and of course, you know, uh, slavery was abolished in the, in the Caribbean, I guess, in the early 1800s, 1815, something like that. Mm -hmm. And I found, you know, my grandmother living on a plantation, but not enslaved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My great, great, great grandfather. I'm sorry, four times. <laughs> so I say that, you know, the history is, you know, we, we have to we have to ask intelligent questions based on research. That's good. And you, you have the opportunity to do that now with free services. Family Search is free. And here's the most exciting thing for a lot of you folks who may have parents who were born in the late 40s, mid to late 40s, is that the census, the new census is coming out, the 1950s census is coming oh, wow. out at the beginning yeah. of April. Yes. Yeah. That's extremely exciting because those are that's a that's a, a closer generation, right? You know, um, than 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 we've had in the past to really take a look and examine, you know, our family lines. So I say all that to say that you know that's been my 
but my my number one thing these days um, to really dissect families and dissect stories. Man, that's, um, that is amazing. But, but rolling back, um, so, you know, going back to, to some visuals that. Yeah, sure, sure, know, sure, um, sure. So, so the next visual is, is something that everybody will recognize. And, and this is the visual that is said to have sparked the civil rights movement, ignited it. And this is, of course, is Bloody Sunday, crossing the Edmund Pettus Bridge, mm -hmm. John Lewis getting crushed, other people yeah. getting crushed. Um, and there were two other marches after that. And the two other marches, the, the march that, that came directly after that was a march that involved my dad and organized <sighs> labor. And that wow. march is when organized labor and and money came into the civil rights movement mm. because you can't have a movement if it's that, not funded. Right, right. And the movement became funded with organized labor. Uh, Walter Ruther, who was the president of UAW and who also was the one that started the March on Washington. Um, wow. That was that's that was his money. That was that was that, that that's where he he sort of, you know, um, uh, got his name. Uh, and so a, a, along with Bayard Rustin, who was the um, architect of this. So the bottom line is, is that um, it, this was an amazing uh, video that when shown sparked the civil rights movement. I'm going to, I'm going to play one more other things, You know, we know some about some demonstrations and yeah. among the demonstrations, you know, and I think this is, will be familiar to a lot of people were uh, the lunch counters um, where let me, let me, I want to, I want to play it one more time. I want to, I'm going to, when we're going to play the, the, the lunch counter one. And the okay. reason why I want to play it one more time is because whether this was broadcast live on the news or it was played and made available for people to watch again and again, on different broadcast platforms across the world even what we're looking at is the first examples of live video the first examples of live video and its impact because the truth of the matter is as as allison has said this is what ignited the movement because people could not ignore what they were seeing on screen so so when we talk about uh, uh, the power of live video and the power, uh, what and how it's how it has impact on the viewer. We are utilizing something that finds its origin long ago. One of those methods of using it was these types of experiences. And and the next uh, next video that we're going to show here is is as she mentioned is of the the uh, the demonstration at the Woolworths lunch counter. Exactly, and and. This um, uh, again uh, sparked tremendous outrage. Um, I don't think people in the North realized how segregated the South was, mm. and these demonstrations, um, as you see, uh, many people, they, they, you know, they poured ketchup and food on the on on the heads of these demonstrators and taunted them, and I think people then saw the ugliness of okay. segregation. Yeah. And of course, you know, Woolworths, which was nationwide, mm. had some splaining to do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and did. And then, you know, those lunch counters, you know, were integrated 
um, very slowly. I mean, it wasn't anything that was that was quick, um, but uh, you know, um, this was frankly, you know, again something that that made people aware, aware. of the injustices yeah. Yeah. happening I- right in the country that they called home. And and it was masterfully intertwined into um I would say the arsenal or the, the 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 tool chest, if you will, of the civil rights movement. They they knew how to weave like they 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 left places where they couldn't get the cameras on them because they would recognize like without the camera, we don't have a spotlight, we don't have a mega horn, we don't have the audience who can be impacted by the videos, who can uh, shape public opinion and who will eventually call for systemic change. And and those are some of the things that we see uh, on display on some of these clips and some of these videos here. These are examples, I would say, of live video. This is this one I know is a personal story for you. Very personal story. Um, Sure, go ahead. um, I live in Teaneck, New Jersey, home of the Isley Brothers and Elston Howard. And uh, in 1965, I was entering sixth grade, and um, and there's Elston Howard, first Yankee. He lived right around the corner from me, and on the northeast section of Teaneck, which mm-hmm. was the predominantly black section of Teaneck. And as you can see, um, there was going to be a school boycott because the schools in Teaneck were very, very segregated, and the integration plan did win here in Teaneck, it was a big thing. I was a member of that first sixth grade class wow. that walked into the school. Um, and, and I laugh all the time. They celebrated us when we, when, when, when it, uh, that act was turned 50 years. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and we were all over the newspaper, but I had to laugh because my mother just, she didn't say, you're about to make history, dear. You know, she said, <laughs> put on some clothes and get to school. Get to school. It was just a regular day. <laughs> it was a regular day until you got to school. When wow. you got to the door, the press was everywhere. Mm. And, you know, um, I didn't feel like Ruby Bridges walking into that school, integrating that school, but you kind of felt like this was a very, very special time. Right. Um, and we saw uh, white kids that we had not ever seen before who had been bused from all around the town to this central sixth grade school. And then the kids who lived in the black area were bused out to predominantly white schools around town. The sad wow. part is, is that the schools right now are, are pretty segregated again. Again. Um, a lot of kids go to private school. A lot of kids go to parochial schools. But um, it was it it was a very very historic time in this town, and the town still prides itself for voluntarily integrating the schools. Wow! Uh, and 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 not everybody was for it, um, but it it was a, a an amazing thing that this township did. That's good. Um, so uh, you know, yeah, that it's a pretty personal thing. <laughs> And, and it, this is a, what I again uh, uh, the the pictures and the videos, of course, are from your your own um, collection, and 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 we're we're excited that you're able to share that with us. Um, but what is also true is yes, it is a personal thing. But but video and its impact and in our relationship to images and memories are also very personal. 
And so when we think about um, even the effect that it can have uh, for, for, you know, change and for everything else, but people must internalize those images themselves first in order for anything to have impact or anything to have change. In fact, we want to throw this question on screen for our audience, get, just as we get ready to show our sponsor video real quick. But this is a question we want to leave our audience with. We want you to share with us in the comments an example when video, right, of any type, right, shifted the perspective and narrative around an event or story. So share with us some examples that you can think of, modern day examples where video shifted the narrative, shifted the perspective around an event or a story. And while you guys are doing that, we are going to hear from our sponsor for the month of February. We're all familiar with Rosa Parks' refusal on the bus that day. The music, artistry, and soul from the Renaissance in Harlem. And who could forget Martin Luther King's eloquent and vivid dream on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial? But why don't you know about Greenwood? The District of Tulsa, named after a city in Mississippi. The district better known as Black Wall Street. Yes, the place where the massacre happened. But did you know the people who live there are more than what happened to them? If you can't answer that question, then you owe it to yourself to read Tales from the Greenwood District by Julian Waddell. Exploring the history that created the legacy, highlighting the lives lived rather than how those lives were lost. Get your copy on Amazon today. For more information, visit talesfromthegreenwooddistrict.com. Amazing, amazing, amazing. I'm just highlighting this even as we get into our question. This is the book and Julian Waddell is our sponsor for the month of February and he will be on the show uh, the third, third Monday in February. So not next week, the following one, he will be here and we will be giving away some of these copies. Uh, but, but just as just as we get ready to get jump back into our content here, I'm going to read this question one more time, even as some of those questions. Uh, comments start coming in from our audience. We're asking people to share with us uh, some examples of when video shifted to perspective or narrative around an event or story. And one of our first comments is from a personal friend of both of ours, and her name is Saba. So Saba says, uh, the video of the World Trade Center's falling just a month after I was in one of the buildings was life-changing for me. That so So again, making it very personal, because she was physically in one of those buildings, the video again having impact, but but for her being able to watch that video and see those towers come down, a video really does bring home uh, the reality of a situation. So so wanted to highlight that as well. So Allison, here's here's one of our final questions, our second to last question. Well, wait a it second, is, Kurt, can I just, oh, sure, sure, I sure, sure. just one thing to what Saba said? Oh, I, please do, please do. Um, I was in the building as well. I was on the ground oh. when the plane came in, the second plane came through. And to honest with oh, you, I, the reason why um, I did not um, mention it um, is because for me, it's still a little painful and wow. I avoided, but I did take a picture that's been seen around the world with a cheap camera a cheap digital camera that I had in my pocketbook as the plane was going in and I was on the ground and I literally just held up my hand, closed my eyes and then took the picture of it going in. And, and so 
it's one of those things that um, I, I hear you, Saba. It's one of those things that you, you, you'll never forget, but mm -hmm. frankly, you want to forget. <laughs> you want to forget. Wow. Wow. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm dumbfounded. That's just, uh, I could only imagine the, because of your connections in some of the places you, you, you are associated with that picture probably did make its way quite literally around the world. Sure <laughs> that, is. that is amazing, but also very, a very real moment for you and, and for Saba as well. A couple other comments have come in. Um, and, and I think this is great. Uh, G Gary Jones says as a child, seeing the challenger space shuttle disaster, that had to be a very powerful moment. I know it was a powerful moment for me as well. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I can only imagine. Thank you so much for sharing that, Gary. Um, the video of George Floyd's arrest and subsequent death, Tawana Harris says, yes, uh, I think it's one of those where we all just collectively uh, say to ourselves, we, we know where we were when that video, when, when, it, when it happened, when the videos went, went were released and, and, um, and its impact on all of us. Eric, thank you so much for being here. Saba, I see you in the comments as well. Uh, still more com comments coming in. Vietnam War, Kirk. The Vietnam War. The Vietnam, Vietnam War. War. Wow. Wow. That was, the wow. First, that was the really first live, you know, evening news broadcast, you know, war. I mean, it was, it was what changed the war. When people saw wow. what was happening, they saw the bombings and they saw what was going on. So it, 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 it changed public opinion. Yeah. That that is that is a really great example. The Vietnam War. Wow, I didn't even think about that one. I didn't think about that one. Um, um, uh, Tawana is saying, she's saying this to you, uh, Allison. Nine Eleven is still very painful for me. Uh, when when the memories are triggered, I can still smell the odor that lingered for months. That is, yeah. wow. That is yeah. a that's big. <clears throat> Todd Carter says President Reagan getting shot. Uh, Kennedy was before I was born, but even the replays get me. Even the replays get me. These are these are examples of of video and how they have impact. Now, regardless of what that impact is, um, and maybe the impact is wildly personal. I remember the first time I saw my, our family on video it was a VHS. Uh, my dad was known for just carrying around this big, huge thing all the time. And I remember the first time he put it in, we saw ourselves on screen. That was it in, you know, it left a, a lasting impression on me. It was like, I'm on the TV. That was a lasting impression for me. Um, but yeah, video has video has a different impact than even still images, but even still images have impact as well. Uh, Todd Carter says, I'm watching from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Welcome, Todd. Thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, Living Water Quilter says there are others recently, like January 6th, U.S. Capitol insurrection. Absolutely, uh, Geraldine. Wow, that's I rem <laughs> Yes, those images were disturbing to say the least. The, the, to, to say the least, um, Saba says the video of President-elect Obama acceptance speech in Chicago the night he was elected. Now, I will tell you, Saba, I also vividly remember that video and I almost I, I, I watched it almost under one eye, like what had one one you know finger open so I could peek through because I was just so scared 
that something was going to happen. I remember watching him, his acceptance speech. I was like, they're going to kill him. And I just, but I, but I remember that moment. I remember that video. And, and again, it becomes a very personal experience. That one was big. That one was big, man. You guys really came through. I, I really appreciate your comments. I, I, I I'm, um, we, we definitely, we want to dive into one, one or two more questions, but I keep the comments coming and we'll try to get to those as we continue on. So Allison, it is said now you, we have a really like phenomenal picture of, of uh, to, to highlight the connection here. But it is said that Martin Luther King, uh, a huge part of his his uh, his strategy uh, was that he was a proponent of video and used it to affect change. What, what, what are your thoughts around that and, and, and some of the things that we could learn from that experience as well? I mean, I think that um, Martin Luther King was brilliant at making sure that video, um, that he played to the cameras mm. and, and he was brilliant at it. And I think had he not been so brilliant at it, you wonder where the civil rights movement would have gone, but he made sure, I mean, he, he was friends with, with a lot of the, uh, reporters on a national level. They all knew him and he knew how to get them out. I remember traveling with Richard Valeriani, who was uh, an NBC news correspondent who had gotten hurt during the Selma um, riots, so the Selma, the Edmund Pettus the Bloody Sunday. He'd gotten hurt and was in the hospital. And we went back to Selma to tell that story. Mm. And, um, and, and I, I remember, you know, him telling me about, you know, uh, King, for lack of a better term, Martin Luther King had him on speed dial, oh, you know, wow. <laughs> and, 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 you know, but you were always guaranteed that anything that Martin Luther King did would be exciting television. Right. You know, and right. it, he could be marching, but he was such a prophetic preacher mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. his words would be inspiring. Yeah. And he knew he was brilliant at the soundbite. Oh, wow. He was brilliant at making sure that whatever he said was 20 seconds or less. <laughs> he did Come not, on. because he knew that that's how he was going to get on the air. And so I think you have, um, uh, I'm not sure if you do, but there's a, obviously there's a, a wonderful documentary that talks about that. Well, this is my dad, by the way. Yes, yes. Um, and I think we've shown, um, my father was, with the AFL-CIO, he was with Organized Labor, and his head is the head above Martin Luther King. He's talking to Walter Ruther, um, exactly, and, and they're coming out of Brown AME Church, and they were about to march for the second time. They were about to march across the Edmund Prentice Bridge, but my dad, and Walter Ruther were trying to figure out how they were going to get my dad back to Montgomery from Selma because they had murdered a white civil rights worker. The Ku Klux Klan had murdered uh, Viola Luigi, I think her mm -hmm. name was, mm -hmm. um, on the road to or from um, Montgomery. And so he might, so what they did was they took my dad, they put him in the back seat and they covered him in their coats. So if they were stopped, 
they would not necessarily see him. See him. Wow. And so, um, and we laugh, I laugh about this because I, I, this picture was given to me literally four years ago. Didn't even know it existed. Wow. Didn't realize all that my father had done in the civil rights movement until things started to come out online. I started mm. to read his words online. My dad was a great dad. He'd come home and we'd ask him to take us to Carvel's for ice cream. And <laughs> he didn't tell us that, oh, yeah, I almost died on the streets of Montgomery the day before yesterday. Wow. He wow. up and he would take us to Carvel's for ice cream. But things started to, you know, I understand a lot about my mom who was not the, you know, she. I wouldn't say that she was the pillar of strength. She was, you know, but she, she had three kids and a husband who was always gone gone and and was part of this movement and she knew what was going on and thankfully she had a very supportive family her brothers her her mom her dad when he was alive to kind of prop her up and mm -hmm. to help her when when i'm sure that night after night she was just worried during those times, times you know yeah. from 61 to about 65 life was pretty rough i mean there were a lot of people who were sacrificing their own lives. Their own for lives. Wow. That's amazing. That is amazing. Um, we, we when it, the, the question that we were looking at, um, and this picture is just so powerful, and I, I thank you so much for sharing it with us and the audience. The, the question we were talking about, of course, was how MLK used uh, video, but I, I think there it is, it's been said a couple times in the comments, you know, that was a gem, you know, 20 seconds or less, him recognizing and understanding that this is how he was going to make it into the nightly news or the 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 the, the news segment uh, for him to get in there uh, he needed to say something that was so succinct that would capture the essence of the message he was trying to relay in those 20 seconds or less that is that is amazing uh, definitely speaks to the brilliance and one of the things I wanted to share here family is that in the description of today's show there is a link to a documentary uh, on Martin Luther King it is on YouTube. It is called Hope and Fury, uh, MLK, the Movement and the Media. I, I got a chance to actually watch this, Allison, uh, just when I was at home for Christmas. Just just uh, just just this past Christmas, I was watching this with my parents on YouTube. It's a series. It was just so powerful. I mean, just yeah. so powerful. And in fact, one of the re one of the reasons why I came up with this theme for the month of February was based on this series. So when you shared it, I was like, this is such a, this is such, so amazing how it all comes together because he really was a master at recognizing that if the cameras were not there, if the video wasn't going to be captured and people, because the video meant that it was an exponential reach. Um, and, and this is, you know, even as we talk about the power of video, not just live, but even as we are live now, there is a power to the video, especially for the fact that it's evergreen, especially for the fact that people can share it and others can watch it. Somebody's here from all over the world and people will have a shared experience around a particular moment in time that is captured in video. And that is something so powerful about that. So I highly recommend that you check out that series as well. Uh, sit down and watch it with your entire family, kids and all. I mean, I don't know what your, your family situation looks like at home for those who are watching, but 
absolutely something to look at. Jasmine has just put it in the comments for you as well. Hope and Fury, MLK, the movement and the media. It's on YouTube. Definitely something that you should check out. Great, great, great resource. We are at our right at our final question, and we're right at our last few minutes of the show. Just, just leave us with this one point, uh, Allison. As we look at how video was used back then, and and how and 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 its impact that we still see the effects of even today. Um, how how can we? What are the lessons that we can learn uh, and utilize for today? I mean, we we see some of it. In, in different random ways around us, but what is there a cohesive overarching strategy that we can employ that we, uh, that we aren't right now that we could possibly do today? You know, we have the, the ability to, to really tell our stories in so many ways. We can tell our stories verbally. Mm -hmm. We can pick up our phones and tell stories. And, and that's something that didn't happen. You know, the storytelling back in the day was left to the professionals. And mm. now we have the ability to tell those stories and to and, and to make people honest. Yeah. Um, I will tell you one of the things that I um, decided to do at one point is that um, we have a lot of uh, community events, um, a lot of community issues that have come up and I bring my camera and I have, I'll just sit it up there and I'll record the whole thing. Yeah. And then I will, I will turn it around and throw it up on a Vimeo channel or on Facebook or on YouTube or wherever and point people to that. And I can't tell you how many times people have thanked me for telling the whole story. story. Because it wasn't abbreviated. It was, you know, something that was important to the community and I've had no problems. I was going to the meeting anyhow. Yeah. It's a public meeting. Yeah. And I think the public needs to know what's happening in their community and they need to know how to affect change. And so I, I share all that to say that, that um, we have the ability now to do that, to take it into, you know, a, a, a community discussion, to take it into areas that are public mm. uh, uh, conversations. And, and, and I'm going to stress that public conversations. public conversations. That's good. And, and, and to record and to sh and then to share. You have a responsibility to let people know what's happening in their community. And I always say that everything starts local so you can start local. Um, That's right. And, and, and I just think if there's any lesson to be learned, I don't think that even professional um, uh, journalists uh, knew what they were getting when they went to the Edmund Pettus, Pettus Bridge. Bridge. I don't think they imagined yeah. that the police were going to push back and cause harm. Yeah. I can, you know, I don't think that, that they could imagine that so many of the videos that we've seen today and that you will see in the future. The future, right. It won't end. Happened. Yeah. I think that they're very, and you know, and I wanted to just, just double back a little bit on, sure, on sure. again. King um, was really, really so brilliant in the sense that he would make a statement and then he would basically say in that statement, weave in that statement where he was going to be in the next 
week or so. And I'll tell you, there's the example that I can think of was he was talking about, I'm here to, to uh, uh, talk about voting rights in Alabama. And tomorrow I'm going to be in LA. And the day after that, I'm going to be in New York. Wow. Now, every assignment <laughs> editor knows, okay. Okay. <laughs> he doesn't have to write a press release to tell them where they're going to be because he's, he's, he's already told them in his 20-second bite. Wow. So I, I just sort of share that to say that, that that's brilliance. That really is not something that is an accident. He knew how to manipulate the media to make sure he was going to be covered wherever he was going. Gold. Gold. Allison, I cannot thank you enough for coming through tonight, hanging out with us, sharing from your vast experience. Look at the award. We're so excited that you, we could give you this award. We hope that Thanks this is a keepsake, so man, that oh, we just uh, there's so much, so much rich history and wisdom and value that you were able to share with us in these 60 minutes that we've been live here today. Uh, we couldn't pack it all in. But, man, I hope that for those watching you, you were able to really appreciate what was being shared. I didn't know even now the numbers are like we, we're now at 27. It's like as as we get along in the hour, that's when things really get 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 good. But we're, we're excited that we have the replay as well. And for those that are watching in the replay, definitely let us know in the comments. But I just want to say a personal word of thanks to you again. Excited okay. to have you as our Trailblaze Award winner this year. Uh, excited to continue to work with you in whatever way we can and, and continue to keep the connection fresh. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still tickled that you are a subscriber. <laughs> oh, I but, definitely am and will continue to be. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much, Allison. Thank you. Take good care. Absolutely. Same to you. Wow, family, I, I don't even know where to begin uh, or to, to, to start or I don't, should I, what should I do now? Where should I go now? No, I'm just joking. Listen, family, we are in for a treat this month. I don't, I know you guys enjoyed, I can see your comments. I know you enjoyed what we just experienced with Allison just now, but I'm telling you next week we have Claudia Allen coming through on the show and we're oh my goodness is going to be excellent just picking up right where Allison left off talking about the power of video to highlight black experiences the power of video to highlight black experiences um, one of the things that she said just as she was closing there is that we have the ability to tell our own stories we have the ability to tell our own stories. I challenge you this week to curate what it is you're watching challenge you this week to curate who it is you're watching and the experiences that they're putting on display. And if they're putting it on display authentically, uh, or that it's not borrowed from anyone else, that it's not appropriated from anyone else. I challenge you this week, even in your reels, even in your stories, even in your, your snippets and sound bites, I challenge you to think about how we can tell our own stories with video. Man, it's been my absolute pleasure to hang out with you today and be your host for this show. Looking forward to next week. I hope you guys go get your t-shirt and we will see you guys in the next video. Later. The How It All Works podcast is a production by Composition, helping you better navigate live video. Visit us at howitallworks.com today.